0: Welcome to the program. I'm Jeff Sheckman. Today, Trump's war is against Congress and the intelligence community. Previously, he went to war with the FBI with the same mob boss approach that resulted in the firing of Jim Comey and Andrew McCabe and the repeated attacks on the FBI. What can that recent history tell us about where we are today, about the strength and or fragility of our fundamental law enforcement and intelligence institutions and the long-term consequences to individuals, and to the republic. To put all of this in some kind of up-close-and-personal perspective, I'm joined by Josh Campbell. Josh Campbell's a CNN law enforcement analyst. Prior to joining the network, he was a supervisory special agent with the FBI and served as special assistant to FBI Director James Comey. It is my pleasure to welcome Josh Campbell here to the program to talk about his new book, Crossfire Hurricane, Inside Donald Trump's War on the FBI. Josh, thanks so much for joining us.
1: Thanks so much for having me. It's an
0: honor. It's great to have you here. How much was the FBI prepared for what ultimately would come down in terms of Trump's reaction to so many of the things that, that transpired in his presidency?
1: That's a great question. I think that they were ill-prepared. You know, one thing that I do in my book is to go back and survey instances where the White House has clashed with the Justice Department. Uh, And going back to uh, starting at Watergate, for example, where obviously a high-profile investigation. Uh, But since that time, in every administration sense, Uh, except uh, my research showed, uh, except the presidency of Barack Obama, you had someone senior in the White House uh, come under investigation. And so that's nothing new, having the Justice Department having to investigate people surrounding a president, what is new and what's unprecedented is the manner in which President Trump has dealt with that, really taking on these institutions as political enemies. And as I argue in the book and you know, kind of take readers inside the FBI, uh, he's essentially trying to undermine their credibility. Uh, in order to stop and undermine whatever the eventual result of their investigation would be. So they weren't prepared for that. It's unlike anything that they've seen in the history of the organization. And as I argue, that's what makes it so troubling, the idea that now these institutions are fair game for political attack.
0: Because there is this sense that if it hadn't been the Russia probe, if it hadn't been Comey, if it hadn't been the way things unfolded, it would have been a similar series of events about something else.
1: I don't. I don't know about that necessarily. I mean, obviously, you know, there's been reporting that, you know, essentially, I think the Washington Post had reported that uh, nearly every organization that the president had been involved in is under some kind of investigation, financial dealings and the like. We reported on a lot of these spinoff investigations. Um, so, so maybe that's the case that they would have somehow collided with him, uh, you know, eventually. But looking at it strictly as an investigator, you know, despite what he tries to say. The FBI did not set out to undermine his presidency. It's not as though they were targeting him uh, specifically. And the reason why we know that, and now I can say publicly, uh, is because the investigation into him did not come until after he fired James Comey. So. Although there were people in his orbit who were under FBI investigation, the president himself was not a subject until months into his investigation. And that really gets to this whole idea of the quote unquote deep state that, you know, he's always railing on, you know, calling this a witch hunt and the like. I mean, take yourself back to 2016. If what he would have you believe is true, that the FBI was trying to, uh, you know, undermine him. Then why did none of that leak? Why did this "quote-unquote" deep state not leak to the public that the campaign of Donald Trump had suspicious ties to the Russians? Uh, you know, I, I, I submit the answer to that is because these were professionals who were doing a job in secret, trying to stop a threat, uh, not as he would have the public believe. You know, trying to undermine a presidency.
0: And that's one of the ironies of this. Yet again, is that he made the situation so much worse as a result of his reaction what I'm curious about is how the FBI, how those inside the FBI reacted to that, because it was an investigation about the, the about Russia, about this series of circumstances and not about him specifically initially, and yet he brought more and more attention to himself as a result of his reaction.
1: He did, and, and it is so striking if you just go look at the timeline and you know, just follow these these few steps with me. So start out with you know, the campaign of Donald Trump is under investigation for ties to the Russians. Next, he tries to pressure the FBI director uh, into you know dropping the investigation. And then next, he fires the FBI Director. And I think that that is what set in motion the chain of events that continue to plague him and trouble him to this day, because if he hadn't fired James Comey, we wouldn't have had Robert Mueller. And now we know, looking at the the latest breaking news today re- regarding his call with the Ukraine, this call came a day after Robert Mueller testified. And so it's, it's my belief that the president probably felt a little bulletproof, you know, kind of emboldened that nothing, you know, there would be no consequences surrounding Mueller. And then now he feels bulletproof, at least enough to go and try to ask another foreign government, you know, to try to help with an election. And now we're sitting here on the cusp of impeachment. So, you know, when we talk about his actions and his behavior. I think all Roads lead to the firing of James Comey, uh, and then, secondly, to your question about you know what it was like inside the FBI. You know, I chronicle that uh, in depth to bring the reader inside what it was like to have this, this momentous you know uh, responsibility of having to conduct a high profile investigation while at the same time being constantly blasted by the President of the United States. Every single day, you know, the witch hunt language, the deep state, which at the end of the day, what that meant to the men and women of the FBI is a president publicly saying that they're criminals, that they violated their oath to the Constitution. And I can think of no greater insult you know, to folks in law enforcement than to accuse them of violating their oath, which he's done repeatedly.
0: What impact did it specifically have on morale within the organization?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. So I, I saw a theme uh, starting to build. So first, it started with frustration, right? So you go back to the president when he first came into office, um, you know, saying, accusing the intelligence community of wiretapping Trump Tower at the direction of President Obama, which was ludicrous on its face. Uh, yet this was something he was, you know, pushing out and, and talking about, uh, which caused a lot of people inside the organization really to raise eyebrows. You know, thinking, what, what in the world is he talking about? Um, and so that was frustration to have a president that's accusing you of, of wrongdoing like that. But it started to build into anger because it continued non stop. You know, this witch hunt, witch hunt, they're out to get me in this victim narrative. And, you know, people inside the FBI you know, although it's used conservative, uh, you know, one thing that was really interesting for me is is you know not only uh, living through that experience at the time, but then also reporting on the aftermath for this book is it was it was typically people that were right of center that I noticed who were expressing the most anger because you know if you think about the Republican Party, the quote unquote party of law enforcement, you essentially had a president who was attacking law enforcement. And then later, an entire political party would essentially fall in line, you know, the, the national political party, and really go after these law enforcement officers. So morale continued to go down and really take a hit. Again, because every single day you had the commander in chief blasting these people as investigators. And for your listeners, what I would ask you to do, you know, if you don't work in a government, maybe you work for a company, Think about if every single day you came to work and your CEO called you a crook, a criminal, (laughs) that would start to grade on you. And that's the experience that I chronicle in this book.
0: And to what extent did it impact the investigation? Because there's an element of what goes on with that everyday attack that is kind of like working the refs, and it has that effect
1: inside people's heads. No, it certainly does. And, and that is the issue, and that is what I write about you know, in the book, is the long-term consequence and maybe the immediate consequence of this campaign of attack is loss of public confidence in law enforcement. So as these investigations were underway, you know, I was there inside the FBI, in the Clinton case or in the Russia case. These attacks did not impact the day-to-day operations of those investigations because, you know, we were not going to allow the president to render us ineffective, you know, ineffective essentially, you know, and really hinder our work. But what it does do, and and you know, we see it now again, kind of a 2.0 version with this Ukraine scandal, is the the more the president claims that the FBI and the intelligence community are corrupt the more likely it is that certain people, you know, certainly his base will start to believe that. And there's actually hard data. I write it about in the book. If you go back and look at 2014 among Republicans, and this was so so interesting for me to, to research, uh, there was, they looked did a poll of confidence in the FBI. In 2014, the numbers were in the high 70s as far as high confidence in the FBI. Today, that number is just under 50 percent. So less than half of these Republicans have high confidence in the FBI, which tells me that this narrative is taking hold, that people are actually believing this nonsense. And what I write about in the book, and I hope your listeners understand, is that that will impact the FBI, because when an FBI agent knocks on someone's door and they need help, working an investigation, or they're trying to recruit an informant to go somewhere that they can't go. If the person on the other end of the door, in sitting in a jury box, thinks for a second that the FBI is corrupt because they heard the president say it, that's going to impact the work of these criminal investigators, and that's going to negatively impact public safety.
0: It's also going to have an impact in courtrooms throughout the country.
1: No, absolutely. And that, and that is the problem. You know, I've heard uh, there, there are folks in, in senior leadership now inside the FBI who I've heard these uh, themes. You know, they're telling their troops, we need to ignore the critics, ignore the press, you know, ignore everyone except for judges and juries. Because that, at the end of the day, is, you know, who will decide what happens with our investigations. I disagree with that because a, jury, a member of the jury or a judge walks into that courtroom with a predetermined view of these agencies. Based on what they've seen in the press, based on what they've heard from politicians. And so, again, if any people doubt for a moment that the FBI agent testifying before them uh, is telling the truth, again, you know, the FBI has to be believed in order to be effective, Then that will reverberate and impact criminal investigations. Um, and then, you know, as I mentioned, the, the source issue is so important and near, to, near and dear to my heart uh, because I worked so many sources and recruited informants who could help, for example, try to disrupt terrorist networks or go inside criminal element. And that relationship is based on trust. And if those people suspect that they're dealing with crooks and criminals, or even more so, uh, that perhaps, uh, you know, these people, their names might get out there, as we saw in the scandal, you know, involving Devin Nunez early on in, in the uh, Russia probe, uh, that is going to really hinder this agency's ability to do its job.
0: Other than putting their heads down and doing the work that needs to be done, what, if anything, can the FBI do to begin to rebrand, to improve its image from this?
1: I think it started at the, at the leadership level, um, and i'm I'm very critical in the book of leadership inside the Justice Department at the time, specifically the Attorney General and the Deputy Attorney General, because you know it's my belief, and 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 I think you know many would probably share this, that the job of a leader is not only to run an organization, but it's also to protect that organization from unfair outside interference, particularly when we're talking about the the levers of power involving the Justice Department. And so what was absent and missing from that period of time is as the president was engaged in this campaign of attack, and I write about this in Crossfire Hurricane, uh, you know, the book, that you basically had the attorney general who was silent. You had the deputy attorney general, Rod Rosenstein, who was silent and who who would only speak up uh, seemingly whenever he was personally attacked. And so what that meant is that these organizations, the Justice Department, and the FBI had to absorb these blows on their own and these employees were essentially left without anyone stepping up to say this needs to stop and so that's where I think it starts you know as I say as a leader you have to be willing to lose your job in order to do your job I think that we saw ineffective leadership uh, in the Justice Department and I chronicled that in the book uh, because these people were essentially you know letting the president and his allies cast these organizations as criminals uh, without speaking up and, and lastly, I think it's very important you know someone who's now in journalism um, that you know, this book isn't an endorsement of the FBI. I read critically of the FBI at certain periods of time. I mean, these agencies with this kind of power, they have to be held to account when they make mistakes. And I describe those mistakes, but in the main, this is an organization of patriots who are working to protect against threats and how troubling it is to look back and realize that the people leading those organizations went quiet in the face of, you know, unprecedented attacks on these agencies and
0: How much fear still exists within the institution? Because as you say, mistakes happen. Mistakes will get made, even in the best institutions, the best companies. Is there a sense of, of, of fear, of terror almost, that one of those mistakes that somebody might make will be blown out of all proportion relative to what has gone down here that we've been talking about?
1: Well, I think the, the real fear is looking ahead at 2020. And, you know, I tell my former colleagues uh, inside FBI, if you think the last two years were bad, uh, buckle up, because the next year is, is going to be un- insufferable. Because the president has already said, you know, he's described these agencies as uh, robbing him of the first three years of his presidency. So I think what we're going to see is a continued sustained campaign attack, and probably ramped it up uh, because you know, elections are messy. Again, I think I really suspect that he is going to try to use the FBI and DOJ as a, pla- as a campaign platform to say, look, these criminals, these deep state people, uh, they investigated me, they didn't find you know, anything. Um, which is obviously not the truth. Um, but I think that's going to be the desired the, is, is goal, to have this foil, to be able to say, look, they robbed me of the presidency and use that as a campaign platform, which means that these attacks will continue and the reputation of these organizations will remain on the line.
0: And how have the the personal attacks, the way Andrew McCabe in particular has been treated, how has that played out within the organization?
1: It, it is unlike anything that, that we have seen. I mean, obviously, his uh, Andrew McCabe and, and there are others uh, – you know, inside the organization that the president has attacked by name, um, which is just unprecedented because, you know, I, I set up beside James Comey, who is the director of the FBI, who is obviously a political right. appointee. But every other person in the FBI is a career uh, professional. And to think about the president blasting publicly a career civil servant uh, it, it is just so so troubling. Obviously, you know, an extreme. Uh, but we've never seen anything like that, and that is a, a blasting of this critical norm. You know, this, these institutions are supposed to be independent; uh, they're not supposed to be politicized. And so that that was most striking inside the bureau to understand that not only is the agency fair game for attack, but the president will surgically attempt to build specific individuals. As criminals, if it does his bidding. Now, to be sure, again, you know we're on the cusp of waiting for an inspector general report to come out from the Department of Justice, which will look into the origins of the Russia investigation. And so, what I'm doing, you know, as a journalist, is reserving judgment. I want to see what this independent body came up with uh, as far as how that investigation was handled. I don't think that there will be any bombshells, uh, but nevertheless, the campaign of attack. That has gotten personal, going after individual people, is something that should trouble us all. And you know, in the McCabe case, um, you know, we're not only him being blasted, but think about what the president did to his wife. Uh, you recall, you mm-hmm, know, she Friday. was running for office in Virginia, and the president attempted to to essentially, you know, bring her into this mix and say that there must be some deep state cabal, uh, you know, involving his wife and the FBI. And it's just got so nasty and, and personal. Uh, but that, but that's the state of the world these days, it seems, is that these people are now fair game to be personally in
0: And how does all of this play out now with the leadership of Chris Ray at the FBI and, and Bill Barr at Justice?
1: Well, I think it's uh, two two very striking uh, different um personalities there and actions i would say so chris ray uh has been obviously you know uh, uh kind of under the radar we don't see him a lot that's his style um you know he, he's respected in the organization as the director um i do think that you know as we look ahead if these attacks on the fbi continue uh which i suspect it will i think it's incumbent upon him to correct the record uh you know whenever things are said about the agency that just aren't true The Attorney General Bill Barr is, I think, a completely separate category. And I'll say that, you know, as an an analyst, I started out when he first came on the scene as the Attorney General. Actually, as one of those people who gave him the benefit of the doubt, Uh, you know, on television, I would say, look, folks, pump the brakes. This is a career DOJ person, an institutionalist. But boy, was I wrong, because all you have to do is look at, and obviously this isn't a a political characterization, because you're just looking at actions. And look at how he handled the Mueller investigation, seemingly running interference for the President of the United States. And characterizing, or some would say, mischaracterizing the Mueller report, that has cast great doubt over his independence. And then the second thing, which uh, which really uh, has rankled a lot of people inside the bureau, is you'll recall the Attorney General has described the FBI's investigation into the Russia connection with the Trump campaign and used the term "spying." He said the FBI "spied" on the Trump campaign, which is so troubling because, having worked in the Justice Department, I can tell you uh, that term "spying" is only used when we're talking about foreign adversaries and what they're doing to us and so to adopt that same you know witch hunt lingo that the president has used is so troubling because it casts doubt on whether the independent review of these uh, the actions of the FBI will actually be independent and then lastly on him we see his name out now today and then breaking news this week involving this White House whistleblower where his name is you know mentioned in this transcript uh, that the White House released regarding the president's call with the president of Ukraine uh, you know why is the attorney General in the mix, uh, discussing a potential interference involving a foreign elect- a foreign government. Yet again, that is so troubling. So a lot of questions about the Attorney General that I think are yet to be answered.
0: And finally, Josh, what does it mean for the future of the FBI? What do you see as the FBI's future after
1: this? Well, what I write about in the book, and this is this was the purpose of the book, is to help the public understand that these campaign, this campaign of attack. Uh, is dangerous, and there will be an impact on public safety. Uh, and so what i what I hope people understand and this is my view of the FBI. if good people, uh, both in leadership and average citizens, if they're not afraid to engage in conversations and to step up and call out this political nonsense whenever it happens, uh, then I think that we'll be we'll be okay. We'll be better off, and you know I think the FBI will be better off as well. Uh, but again, as a country, we're on the risk of being impacted negatively as it relates to our own safety. If these independent institutions, if their reputations go down, um, and, and so that's what's so troubling, and that's what I write about in the book. Every single citizen. Uh, In the United States, if you care about the rule of law, if you care about effective law enforcement, you have a role to play. Uh, You know, everyone engages in conversations about the news of the day. Oftentimes that involves the FBI and the president, and now you know we're going to see a lot of that with Ukraine. And so don't be afraid to, to step up and say, look, there, there's a difference between political spin, political noise, and the facts and the truth. And what I hope you take away from this book is that these agencies conducting this, these investigations, both the FBI and as well as the Intelligence community and the Justice Department, are honorable institutions filled with honorable people. Uh, they make mistakes. We have to hold them to account, but they're honorable people. And we have to be able to step up and, and, you know, defend these organizations from political attacks and not be afraid to engage in those conversations.
0: Josh Campbell, the book is Crossfire Hurricane, Inside Donald Trump's War on the FBI. Josh, I thank you so much for spending time with us today.
1: Such a pleasure. Thank you so much for having
0: me. Thank you.